0: anything done for the community without the community is ultimately against the community. And that's something that all Peace Corps volunteers should really stand on. Volunteers plant seeds of trees Uh, of which the shade we will not enjoy, right? So, um, we, we go in with this idea, with this mindset that, Hey, we're, we're planting these seeds, uh, and we entrust the community to continue to water them, continue to grow them. And hopefully one day, uh, there's going to be a, a strong tree with a, with a good foundation, uh, that we worked in the community to provide and to help provide. And, you know, they'll get to enjoy the fruits of that labor. Don't personally need to be there for it. You know, I think it's just uh, so wonderful that programs like that can can exist with sustainability in mind.
1: It's time for conversations about our food and how it's grown on Farm to Table Talk with your host, Roger Wasson. When we talk about reaching out helping people people living their dreams and oftentimes it involves food or agriculture but i think a common theme is like people pursuing a way that they can envision how they want to engage themselves in their lives and some of those journeys include people that jump in how they can express themselves well I'm, I'm struggling with that a little bit because I got these two guests with me today that are going to help me explain that a little bit more because they found themselves in the Peace Corps and they've had an interesting journey themselves and they're helping other people on interesting journeys. And I know that many of the people that listen to the Farm to Table Talk um, will be curious to hear more about it. And every once in a while I hear from somebody who said, gee, I wish I had done this or maybe it's too late for me. Maybe I can get involved with the Peace Corps. But I'm happy to welcome Kerry Carmichael and Rashad Thacker to Farm to Table Talk. Gentlemen, thanks for coming in and visiting with us today.
0: Horace, it's great to be here. Thank you so much.
1: Thank you for having us, Roger. Well, let's get started. You know, I think, first of all, Peace Corps. Which one of you want the honors? I mean, I think most people have heard of Peace Corps. But if somebody has landed here from Mars and and had never heard of Peace Corps, what's your what's your simple explanation to bring them up to speed of what Peace Corps is?
0: Well, sure, I can go ahead and uh, drop a bit of knowledge if you'd prefer. Sure. Uh, So Peace Corps is a government funded volunteer organization. Uh, It was started in 1961 by former President John F. Kennedy. Uh, and has endured for about 62 years now. We're coming up on our 63rd anniversary next week. Uh, first week of March is known as Peace Corps Week. Uh, we are currently based in around 61, 62 countries uh, across the entire globe. Uh, we work out of six program sectors. Uh, there's agriculture, of course, which is why we're here today. Uh, the environment, youth development, community economic development, community health, and education. Uh, education and agriculture being our largest sectors. Uh, a lot of our agriculture programs uh, are based in one of the three regions that we work with. There's the Africa region, of course, um, Eastern Europe, the Mediterranean, and Asia, uh, as well as the Inter Americas and the Pacific Islands.
1: to what's left out? Uh, that's that you're covering broad, broad regions of, of the whole world. That's that's it. It's interesting. So. And Kerry, did he cover it all? Or is there any part you wanted you would add to that?
2: Yeah, well, Rashad did a good job. We yeah, we we are invited by the host government to have a presence in that country. And then drilling down even further, we are invited by a community. So it's very community driven. The community requests a volunteer um, to have a presence in their country or in their community, excuse me. And working side by side with community members on locally prioritized projects that build relationships and promote knowledge exchange, and really make a lasting and measurable impact in the community.
1: So you say you're invited. Uh, does that have to be uh, renewed? Like if there's an election or something, can you have can you have people come into leadership in a country and they are more or less um, a fan of Peace Corps and can you actually be uninvited at some point in time?
0: Uh yes. Yeah. So so that can happen. Uh there are a few countries that we have unfortunately been uninvited from. Uh it, even though we are non-political uh politics definitely help to, you know, make things work a little easier or make things a little bit more challenging. Uh, typically, if we have a long standing relationship with a country, uh, they prefer to keep that relationship going. Uh, but in the event that, you know, maybe policies change or presidencies change or things like that, uh, and they would no longer prefer to have Peace Corps there, uh, we, Typically, leave so we have to be invited at both the national level by the government, uh, as well as the local level by the communities that we serve in. So, if one of the two don't want us there, uh, we we do not go.
1: Yeah, that's fascinating. Well, let's talk a few minutes about each of you. Uh, let me go back to Carrie. Uh, how did you get involved? So, what was your what kind of brought you into? Peace Corps in the first place, and then just kind of walk us kind of briefly up through where you are today and what you do in Peace Corps now. But let's start with how you got started.
2: Yeah, I think, um, you know, I grew up in Southern California, and um, I had the great fortune of of, uh, being an exchange student. I went to Germany in high school for a summer, and, and that experience really opened up my eyes to the the greater world out there, and realized that my world was a little um, greater than just that little the little town in Southern California that I lived in. So, um, so I kind of had that uh, wanderlust, so to speak, and uh, and um, ingrained in me at, at a young age. But I went to UC Santa Barbara, got a degree in environmental biology, and um, I learned about Peace Corps in college. And I think there was a recruiter that made a presentation in one of my classes, and you know, it, it just sounded like an awesome opportunity, a win-win, uh, where I could be able to travel, see the world, um, get to know a community, learn a new language, learn a new culture, and impart some of my knowledge in that community, but then also receiving so much more back. And most volunteers, Returned Peace Corps volunteers, will tell you that they are, uh, learned a lot more than they were able to give, but that's really the beauty of what Peace Corps is all about. So it's that really that uh, intercultural um, exchange of knowledge and friendship. So um, so yeah, so I went to uh, Ecuador soon after graduating from UC Santa Barbara and was lucky enough to um, be in the forestry program. And so I did quite a bit of agroforestry uh, and also environmental education during my two years of service. And, you know, really that, uh, that experience, that field experience in Peace Corps, that um, that international experience, that opportunity really propelled. Uh, my career opened up a lot of doors for me. I've worked internationally in a couple different countries in Latin America. Um, and then I went on to, to Humboldt State University, now called Cal Poly Humboldt, and received a master's in natural resources. Um, and really, I, I think that most of my educational and professional experience um, up until now has been largely due to that experience that I had in Peace Corps. So um, I've had the great fortune of working wearing wearing many hats working with Peace Corps. I worked in Washington, D.C. for a few years on the South America desk and also was invited to return to Ecuador uh, years after I was a volunteer and I became the program manager for the environment. So I um, managed about 150 volunteers out in the field for a couple of years and uh, so it was kind of a, a a nice circle for me where I started as a volunteer in Ecuador and then I ended up um, managing that same project that I was part of years later so um, uh, I just wanted to say that Peace Corps if you if you work as a staff member uh, you can't make a, a career out of it uh, Peace Corps is an interesting government agency that uh, caps the amount of years that you can work consecutively with the organization. So there's a five year rule. And I think when John F. Kennedy founded Peace Corps, he didn't want, want a bunch of stale bureaucrats running the show. So um there is a limit of five years that you can work consecutively. So um you can step out of Peace Corps for a while and come back. Um so I'm called the retread. I've been around for a few years with Peace Corps, but um that's been my journey, and I still so believe in in the mission of Peace Corps and um, the opportunity it offers Americans of all stripes and um, um, an incredible opportunity. And that's President, I'm to President
1: Kennedy had a lot of good ideas, and I think that's one of them that we yeah. have to recycle in other agencies Absolutely. too. But uh, have a five year limit will probably change a lot of things. <laughs> hey,
0: hey, Rashad, how about your journey? How did how did you get involved? Sure. Well, uh, I grew up in a, a small agricultural town in uh, Roebuck, South Carolina, a uh, very, very small place um, in the upstate. And uh, afterwards, I ended up going to to college uh, in Charleston, South Carolina. So went to the College of Charleston um, and from there ended up learning about Peace Corps. I'd never really, you know, been on a plane, been out of the country. Uh, Before learning about Peace Corps, I I was fortunate enough to study abroad. Uh, I got my degrees in art, and so went, studied architecture in London and Paris, and, you know, had uh, lost all my luggage, you know, and any mishap that could have happened did happen, and I got back from it and thought to myself, Man, I would love to do more of that, uh, you know, just traveling, getting to know other cultures, other countries and things like that. And so I was able to speak with a recruiter at an event um, about Peace Corps. And I had seen just people that fit my own demographic. Right. There's a young African-American man who uh, had recently gotten back from a service in Thailand. And so uh, I thought, you know, if he could do it, uh, why couldn't I? And so ended up applying uh, much at the last minute. Uh <laughs> As with most things, a bit of a procrastinator, uh, and so ended up being accepted uh, to a volunteer position in Peru. So second time on a plane, ended up leaving the country for about two years and some change um, where I worked as a youth development volunteer in Peru. um, And I actually worked, funnily enough, with an agricultural high school uh, in a small town called Hayanca uh, in the northern coast of Peru. So went and did that and um for about two years and some change and came back to the states ended up uh working for the agency after about a year of being back trying other jobs that just didn't fit too well and i thought to myself you know what uh like carrie mentioned that that mission of peace corps uh still resonated very heavily with me and it still does today uh and so i i thought why not get out and try to you know be that change uh you want to see in the world to to not be so cliche and so Uh, I've been with the agency now for about three and a half years, uh, coming up on four in September. Uh, so it's, it's been a wonderful journey. I've been so happy to have people go overseas, uh, and, you know, bring up new training classes of volunteers and, and just connect with people across the board and kind of bring the whole thing back full circle.
1: You know, when I hear you two talking, it, for some reason, what popped into my mind that there was like a hundred and twenty years ago, or something like that. Maybe, maybe after World War One, there was a song. How do you get them back to the farm after they've seen Paris uh, for Paris, as we say? And it seems like you kind of do that in reverse. I mean, how do you get them? How do you get back to Paris after you've seen the farm or something? I mean, it's a it, there's a an experience that that you two have had. And I think you're having other people have that um, they had an impulse that it was the right thing to do. uh, And then you did it. And, and it sounds like it's made a permanent impression on you. Um, You know, and, and I've talked to other people that have had a Peace Corps experience. and, And it's, it's a little different than just having a year abroad because there's a lot of universities probably most have the opportunity for people to do some some uh work uh it and you know, go get a semester someplace abroad uh but with peace corps it's you know it's it's even more you get into the community you get into the people you know talk about that would not you because because again, I, I do kind of get it, and a lot of people listening to this that were able to go to college and get a, a year somewhere or, or or another. But you're jumping into not just learning, but actually hands-on with with a community, um, and and I would imagine that comes up when you're recruiting that. That some people are saying, "I've got an itch I can't scratch," or or like like you were saying, Rashad, I had an experience going overseas, and and you decided you wanted to do some some more of that, and you just you plunge in. Um, so, how do you articulate that when you're trying to to meet the needs of some others that are thinking that you know what, maybe I want to go what you did. I'm feeling something. Uh, you find you're able to bring that some empathy to those conversations because been there, done that?
0: Either one of uh, you. Okay, I think we'll get a shot to start off on that. Sure thing. Uh, I'll, I'll start us off. So um, Yeah, I think uh, emphatically, yes. Right. I think empathy makes the world go round. And so the number one question I get, uh, at recruitment events, uh, when I was a two-year recruiter, and now even as, as a Peace Corps response volunteers, uh, or a recruiter is what is it like, you know, uh, what is service like, what is my day-to-day going to look like, uh, you know, how does the job look, you know, what am I going to be doing? And so being able to connect, uh, people in that way and tell them you know me personally this is what i did as a volunteer in peru every volunteer service is going to look different but understanding that hey i've been through this and i can talk you through this i can walk you through this uh if need be and really being there for them uh really helps us to connect people uh, in that way when they're looking for service I i believe uh that to be a peace corps volunteer you have to have a little bit of an adventurous spirit uh, you want to get out, you want to see what the world has to offer, and you want to give something back, uh, hopefully more so than you take from it. And uh, I think connecting with those people and finding those people uh, has really been a joy of the work, uh, and I I really love doing it.
1: How about you, Do you, you find sometimes you're sitting across the table from somebody or you're on a Zoom like we're on today, and you catch that spark in their eye that they're going to say, and it- Do you ever find yourself feeling, Hey, I, I know that feeling I've had that feeling before, and here's how it worked out for me.
2: Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's, um, you know, the, the, the Peace Corps experience is sometimes really hard to articulate because I think that, um, each Peace Corps volunteer has their own unique experience and there's really, um, they're not, they're not cookie cutter positions across those countries that we work in. So um yeah, it's um, you know the, there's there's a reason why Peace Corps, you talk about uh, the community really living and working in a community, and there's a reason why Peace Corps really is a two-year commitment. The traditional two-year program is um, it, the really the first year that you're in your community, it's all about integrating into the community and all about um, understanding the culture, and mastering the language and um, finding those those change makers working with those folks that uh, uh, in, in order to carry out your your job so that's um i always tell people that's really the hardest part i think of peace corps is is uh, all of that intercultural communication and understanding and um you know uh no matter how you slice it we are americans in, in their culture and in, in, in their communities and um we do stand out so you're as a volunteer you're uh kind of living in a fishbowl and it's really um uh, your job to integrate as much as you can and to build trust with the community because um that's really you know what it's all about and i will say that the first 3 months uh in country Uh, You go through, all volunteers go through a rigorous training. It's called pre-service training. And that training lasts anywhere from eight weeks to 12 weeks. And um, the the training primarily is focused in on language acquisition. So learning the language, very rigorous language training, as well as technical competencies that you are going to need to carry out your, your position in Peace Corps. And then also um uh cross cultural competencies personal health and personal safety so there's five main components of training and uh the volunteer lives with the family during that time so um you know you kind of go into a, a a school for lack of a better word this training uh center or in the community uh learning these competencies you go back go back to your family at night have dinner with them try to communicate with them um, and then you're back at it the next day. So it's really, really an intensive three months of really integrating into the, into what it's all about to be in that country and what you're going to be doing. And then, uh, and then you are sent to your site for two years. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's an incredible experience and, and really uh, it, it's hard to articulate at times, but um, um, it's all about being part of that community and building that trust.
1: So Rashad, if you if you get into it, and probably somewhat similar, just I'm sure as Carrie just described, how do you make sure that that there, you're not seen as as being the American coming with all the answers? Um, that that you do you need to bring a certain degree of um, humility to go with that empathy. Um, that you know, it's not. Hey, we've flown down here from the United States, and I've got a college education, and I've got all the answers. Because uh, uh, you know, how do you how do you make sure that you get off on the right foot with them, with the people that you're living with, and the community you're trying to help?
0: Sure. So. <laughs> It comes in different ways, but ultimately we arrive at the same point, right? So as Carrie mentioned, there, there is a thing called pre-service training that all two-year volunteers go through. Uh, with Peace Corps response, we, uh, it's more specifically designed for returned Peace Corps volunteers or RPCVs, as well as mid to late, uh, career professionals. And so there is no upper age limit in Peace Corps I believe the oldest volunteer got back when they're around uh, 86 or something like that um so there's there's always time to to reinvent yourself to go and the, to volunteer time and do something new but I think when looking at humility uh those trainings uh that we get in pre-service training uh really have a lot to do with like the dive logic model right where you Uh, Try to, you know, understand and have this empathetic viewpoint of another community of another culture uh, when you get there. Right. Right. Uh, I think a lot of us come into places with preconceived notions. And so Peace Corps in those first three months wants to work with you to understand that, hey, you're coming into a country. You have been invited as a guest. And as a guest, you should, you know, learn to love and respect the the rules of the country, even if you have differing viewpoints and even if you have differing opinions. Uh, and I'll say with Peace Corps response, uh, since we are expecting returned Peace Corps volunteers or mid to late career professionals, uh, we expect those people to already have Uh, international experience in terms of work, in terms of volunteering, uh, or have been such a way, uh, in such a way professionally, if they've never left the U.S., that they are, uh, culturally competent and able to mesh well with another culture, uh, in order to maintain that air of humility and that air of understanding, uh, when you see things that, uh, might be a little bit different from how you're used to experiencing them in the U.S.
1: I'm wondering, as you explain that, how you match people up with the uh, with the need, and um, so that you've got the you've got the capabilities, you've got the talents, you've got the experience, or in the younger people, perhaps it's just the the appetite to learn and to help and to to be in in that kind of road but what comes first? Do you have a community or a need that presents itself that you have to recruit to fill, or do you find a talent and you say, I've got a talent here, a capability that's prepared to help? Where can, where could they be useful? It seems like there's two different ways you could look at it. Maybe you look at it both. How, how does that go, Kerry?
2: Yeah, it, it first starts in the community. So that's... Um that's where Peace Corps starts really is that um, uh, that invitation that um, from a community that interest in having a volunteer working hand in hand with their community counterparts um, um, to to work on some of those prioritized projects that, that the community has found as a need. So it's it's our, job as recruiters, me as the as a recruiter in the two year traditional program and Rashad and Peace Corps response, which we can talk about a little bit more about the difference between those two. um, It's our responsibility to get out there into the field and try to recruit folks who uh, match up with with those needs. So um, I will say that uh, agriculture volunteers are, in general, are um, a little more difficult to find uh, around the country. So, um, we are always in need of folks who have some experience in, in agriculture, whether they have a degree in agriculture or uh, five years of experience. Maybe they grew up on a farm, so imparting some of their their wisdom. But um, I, yeah, I will tell you, Roger, it's um, it, it's uh, it's a challenge to find some qualified uh, agriculture volunteers, candidates out there for Peace Corps.
1: Well, let's talk about that for a few minutes. What are the kind of things they do? Say if it's somebody that's working in an area, when you say agriculture volunteers, is that people that are trying to show a farmer how to farm or how to take their products and get them on the internet and sell grass fed beef, uh, you know, uh, marketing or integrate with restaurants and cafes and so forth? What is the route that's taken for somebody that's working in the area you're describing as agriculture?
0: Well, so with Peace Corps response in particular, uh, we have uh, highly technical programs that are more specialized and they also tend to lean shorter uh, where the traditional program is, of course, two years. the Peace Corps response programs vary in duration anywhere between three to 12 months. And so, uh, I'm, I'm actually right here on our website uh, where you can find these positions. But, uh, for response, we have positions, uh, in the Philippines that last seven months. And, uh, there you could be doing, um, ecotourism So you're working with, uh, local. Well, you're working with the local government in order to identify, uh, potential sites that could be um, beneficial to ecotourism. Uh, and you're working with the community members there in order to kind of spruce up that site in order to make it a viable option for um, locals to visit or for uh, international uh, you know, people or partners to visit as well. Uh, I also have positions in Peru uh, that are agroforestry specialists, right? And you work with uh, Progreso, which is one of the, the nation's, uh, larger in, uh, NGOs in order to, uh, combat deforestation, right? And those positions would be located more towards the Amazon rainforest, uh, area in Peru. So, uh, with response, it varies greatly based on the role. Uh, we do have these positions located on our website. And so, uh, if any of you all out there that are listening are ever interested in figuring out, you know, not just being a, a blanket agriculture volunteer where you work in, uh, themes of, of agricultural sustainability, uh, you want to specifically promote, uh, a certain type of agriculture or you have a specific field of, of study or degree, uh, Peace Corps response is definitely invested, uh, in finding out more about you. Uh, and so I think you asked before, you know, what comes first, the, the chicken or the egg. Uh, and so with us, we, can find a volunteer who has applied uh, with a specific set of talents. And then we could reach out to a country and say, Hey, you know, we have this person with these skill sets. Um, would you be interested, or do you believe that there's a partner that would be interested in working with someone with this skill set? Uh, for us, positions usually uh, take about a year and some change to get uh created uh to go through all of the the fact checking and processes connecting with community partners recruiting and then ultimately identifying and going through clearances uh, that peace corps puts in place
1: so you mentioned that you can find that on the website we'll ask you to mention mention the website again but why don't you go ahead and tell us right now where that website where they could find that so that they could scout what might be a, a need
0: Sure thing. So if you are looking for our website, you're going to want to go to Uh And from there, uh, we have a section right on the front page that says volunteer. Uh, it says, is Peace Corps right for me? And you can choose between our traditional two-year uh, program. That's the Peace Corps volunteer program or our response program, uh, which simply states Peace Corps response.
1: So the response program, does that Typically, have people that have been maybe retired recently, or what's uh, what do they look like? The, the folks that get involved with that,
0: sure. So, I'll say actually the median age of a response volunteer is around 40. Um, oh. so yeah, maybe maybe not retiring at all, maybe they're interested in uh, taking a, a year, taking a sabbatical, something like that, or they're interested in shifting career paths, right? Maybe they had this uh, degree or experience in agroecology, uh, when they were coming up through school and then they get into a job field that, uh, of course is making them money, but they still have that passion for agriculture, for, uh, being out in an international context. Uh, and they use this opportunity in Peace Corps to put those skills to work, uh, so that when they come back, uh, they have the opportunity to, you know, make those skills flourish. Right. And so with Peace Corps, there are a whole host of benefits uh, that you're privy to as a as a returning volunteer, uh, one of which being non-competitive eligibility or NCE. And so the way that I like to describe this personally is is like a, a governmental fast pass. Uh it helps you kind of get to the front of the line. Uh, In the government hiring process, it's personally how I was able to get uh, a hold of this job, and I'm I'm grateful for it. And I know a lot of people, uh, but it's not just with Peace Corps, right? I know a lot of people have used it to work for other governmental organizations. So people from my uh, cohort. Uh, is what we call them, um, have gone on to work for NASA uh, as environmental uh, workers, have gone on to work for USDA um, as agricultural specialists, uh, and even gone on to work for EPA and, and other things like that if they're interested in uh, putting those agricultural skills to use for the U.S. government. Well, and
1: I think you mentioned earlier that you, your oldest uh, was 86 years old, so somewhere between 40 and 86, which I wouldn't be admitting too much to say I lie in the middle there somewhere between, uh, not not the high one, not the low one any longer as well. Harry, the traditional program it takes what? Uh, two years that you make a, a commitment for?
2: That's right. The traditional program is two years. It's actually two years and... more months with the pre-service training included in country
1: so do the age of people that apply for that that they tend to be younger than the than the the around 40 that rashad was mentioning
2: that's right the average age of uh, a traditional peace corps volunteer is about 26 years old so uh kind of out of college with a couple years of experience but um with the traditional program we have volunteers that are i think the, the the individual that was 86 years old was the traditional peace corps volunteer so um it, it, it's it's a wide age range but it definitely does skew towards uh the 20 something year olds so if but, people want to find more I was going to say Roger but I I work quite a bit with um folks who are over 50 and um tell them that you know one of the benefits of being a little older is in most countries um they have a different respect for folks who have a lifetime of experience I think so um I think it's a it's it's a little easier I think for for older Americans to integrate into a culture and saying this kind of broadly but um that's kind of my sales pitch for for older folks to uh get into Peace Corps it's um um it, it's it's A little easier to integrate and they have a a lifetime of experience to share their knowledge with the community. So,
1: You know, I think you both are talking about um, importance of social skills, too. I mean, you have empathy, you have humility, you have you've learned the cultures, you're learning how to 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 work with people. And maybe you have a great deal of experience that you can that you can bring a specialized focused experience um at what stage do you also have to have a strong back uh because if you get in an area say you're helping a farming or program or something like that do you have to be willing to put on your put on your boots and roll up your sleeves and sometimes you know pull weeds or hoe or you know or or take the cattle out to the pasture
0: uh yeah i'll say i'll say yes right we we uh, in our application, I believe, you know, as a standard with most things, you, you have to be able to lift 50 pounds and, you know, walk for a set amount of time, uh, in order to, to be a volunteer. But we do work to accommodate, uh, you know, most people on a case by case basis, right? So that would be something, uh, our medical team would decide, uh, when you're filling out our application, you usually do a thing called a health history form and that'll let us know, uh, which countries you're, You know medically eligible to apply for uh and for and then from there you're able to say okay this country could support me medically if maybe um uh, i am disabled or maybe if i have a moving impairment or something like that uh the country is going to be a little bit more kind to me uh in that regard and so uh that's that's kind of how we work with people who maybe have a different uh you know different who are differently abled uh in that way
1: that's it it's really interesting. So what's involved if you you know you apply, you see a need, you have an interest, you've reached all of those things. Some of the considerations would be is there any compensation? Is there any cost to me? Uh who's going to pay my rent? Uh what do I how do I go about food? I mean if I sign up for 2 years or the shorter duty do I have to deplete my personal resources to subsidize my being there, or uh, is there enough enough compensation or, or reimbursements that you come back at least uh, neutral, if not rich, in the uh, financial ways? It's a big question. I don't know, Kerry. Can you tackle that one?
2: Yeah, uh, I think most most people think that. Uh, because we have volunteer attached to it, there's um, uh, there's no type of money involved, but there um, there is there are quite a bit of uh, financial benefits for the two year program as well as response. We I think we're about the same. But Rashad can speak after me. But um, uh, round trip air transportation is provided. Um, each volunteer gets what we call a living allowance, so it's a monthly stipend. Uh, it depends uh, how much that stipend is. Depends on exactly what country you live in. Maybe um, if you live in a rural part of the country or more more urban, that that uh, that amount varies. Um, but that living allowance is should be enough for you to live, to pay for your rent, to pay for your bills. To pay for your food, your cell phone bill, perhaps. So all those expenses that you have here in the U.S., those expenses are are paid for in Peace Corps with that living allowance. So um, you're not going to become wealthy with that living allowance. Um, uh, you're not going to be living uh, up on up on a hill in a palace. But the idea is to live at the level of the community, uh, living and working with that community. So. Um, That's one financial benefit is that monthly living allowance. We have great um, medical dental coverage while you're in Peace Corps. We have great Peace Corps medical officers uh, available in each country. Um, And then a really nice perk when you get back uh, from your service after two years and three months, you have a bank account in your name of over $10,000 pre-tax. That's called a readjustment allowance. So every month that you accrue, that you work as a Peace Corps volunteer, uh, a certain pot of money gets put into an account in the US. And when you get back, you have about $10,000. So um, it's nice to be able to have that little chunk of change to um, to, uh, integrate back into life in the US. So uh, those are some of the financial benefits. We have a really, really robust graduate school fellows program. It's called the Coverdell Fellows Program. Uh, there are over 100 institutions, 100 universities around the country with over 200 graduate fellowship programs, graduate programs, master's, Ph.D. programs, and these are fellowships only for returned Peace Corps volunteers. So um, it's a wonderful program, the Coverdell Fellows Program, um, anywhere from 25% tuition reimbursement to full-ride scholarship. So, a lot of Peace Corps volunteers take advantage of this program after they get back after their service. So, you know, most Peace Corps volunteers get that undergraduate degree, go to Peace Corps, get some great field experience, learn a new language, learn a new culture, and then ready to come back to the US and continue on in their education. So, that's a really great benefit. It's a lifetime eligibility. Um, so, a lot of volunteers take advantage of that program. i had never heard of that that's that sounds
1: that sounds really really good and on top of everything uh you're you're able to sustain yourself and in in the communities you're in and then to come back and have money in the bank i mean the fact is that an awful lot of people today uh have to end up being you know paycheck to paycheck and so try as they might uh, saving anything these days are, are difficult and come back from that and have that educational opportunity and have some money in the the bank and have the richness that comes from those experiences. I think you'd have people beating the door down. Now, maybe not. We're ready to
2: sign you up, Roger. Uh,
1: Well, you know what? I'm about ready. Uh, I'm, I'm in, I'm intrigued. And if I were considering signing up, uh, you're answering an awful lot of, uh, a lot of the questions. The challenge that 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 appears to me because you've touched on an awful lot of things why this would make sense and in fact let me come back and summarize why i think this may be of interest to many people that listen to Farm to table talk is that i have listeners all over the world who would like to do something that's connected with food and agriculture and helping other people so we have people that work on community gardens we have people that are working on trying to get their own farms going but they can't afford to have land they want to get experience have people that want to be outdoors all of them love eating and love to eat food that they know the story you know i'd like to know the story about what we might have you send back from ecuador uh, you know or northern peru or some other areas and and so i think we have lots and lots of listeners that think that's intriguing one of the things that would trip up many is that their ability to get away so if you are young you don't have a family yet uh you know it would seem like it's sort of like you had rashad that you thought well you know i had this year abroad experience uh, the world is a bigger place. I want to have some more of those kind of experiences. So, if you're at that experience stage that you don't have to stay home and you know make sure you're making a payment on a mortgage or something like that, you know that's a frontier you can move on. Or, or if you are you alluded to people that might be at a spot where they're trying to reposition themselves. Uh, that they could get away. Or maybe they are uh, retired and they can get away. But if you have, uh, well, first of all, let's say if you have family, let alone pets and all the other obligations to come with it, you don't take family with you or, uh, or or a spouse or a special person or something. Isn't that right? You're, you are committing to go off on your own alone somewhere, which eliminates many people from considering it, I would think.
0: Right. So, you're you're close to being right, but you're almost not there yet. So, what I'll say with that is we do allow spouses uh, to work with you as Peace Corps volunteers as well. Um, I know quite a few people who have gone into Peace Corps uh, as a couple. Uh, maintain that relationship through service. Service made it uh, stronger than it ever could have been. And then they come out and, you know, proceed to have a family, still work and live together and, and do all that kind of stuff. So if you have similar skill sets or even differing skill sets, uh, just depending on the country that you're placed in, um, you know, there we're able to kind of figure out which programs will be applicable to each partner. Uh, when deciding for Peace Corps, right? When deciding to go into Peace Corps service. Um, I would say looking into someone who maybe has children or things like that, it becomes a bit more difficult, right? Uh, as someone with children, you would need to maybe find a guardian for um, for your, your child um, for the duration of Peace Corps service. And I think this is when Peace Corps response really uh, shines, right? Uh, because you might not be able to go uh, for two years and three months uh, if you have dependents or if you have uh, a spouse that doesn't necessarily want to go and would like you to be home with them, right? Um, So, I think looking at shorter-term options uh, between three to 12 months uh, is much more feasible, right? Uh, You look into something that's 12 months, that's 365 days uh, being away from your, you know, US-based responsibilities, but you still come back with uh, a good portion of the benefits that Carrie mentioned, right? Uh, The only difference is uh, that readjustment allowance or resettlement allowance uh, would be a little bit less uh, because you're not there for as much time as the two-year program, right? Um, So, I think considering shorter service or shorter-term services uh, as somebody who maybe has, you know, a life in the U.S. to get back to or responsibilities to get back to uh, is definitely something to consider. Uh, you're also able to take that readjustment allowance and put it uh, in part towards bills that you might have in the U.S. accruing, right? So, if you have a mortgage or if you have something, you are able to take fractions of that uh, resettlement allowance that you are being given by Peace Corps uh, in order to pay that um, down during your service, right? They don't want you to take the whole thing and pay it because they don't want you to come out of Peace Corps with nothing. Uh, they want you to be able to have some money to, you know, readjust as as needed. Uh, but yeah, it is. They do try to really uh, take care of you and make sure you're able to take care of obligations you may have may have had prior uh, to starting service.
1: Wow. Go go ahead. Yeah. 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 Carry. Uh, no yes, so.
2: Also, just um, kind of building on what Rashad was saying, another benefit of service is you do get uh, vacation time. So you accrue two days of vacation time for every month uh, you serve as a Peace Corps volunteer. So uh, those days accumulate and you can do what you want to do with those vacation days. Some folks tend, uh, might want to stay in country and travel in their, their country of service. I came home. I flew home. My brother got married. So um, I was able to come home. So you can um, leave country during your two years of, of service. Um, that that expense is out of your own pocket, of course, if you'd like to travel. But you do get those vacation days. So I just wanted to throw that in there as well.
1: Man, I can think of several people that are listening to my program that are thinking right now, gee, I might want to pursue this. I had uh, gotten feedback from um, a couple that were attorneys. It turned out they were, uh, they had little kids and they were traveling and they were listening to my podcast. And then I heard back from them and they said they were both ready to quit being attorneys and, and, uh, and, and then go pursue trying to get something going like a small farm somewhere, or why are people that just admire folks that are getting community gardens and, and going or, uh, direct sales and things like that and say, I wish I could do it. And usually when they slow down is that, you know, just the kind of like fear, can we, um, can we survive on what it would take? You know, it's, it's because oftentimes to make these choices, uh, People end up having to sacrifice income and have to, you know, risk uh, a lot of other things to be able to make that change. But what strikes me is, as you're describing this, is that this kind of commitment, it's sort of like um, taking time off, like pass, you don't pass in the yellow. I mean, it's like you can kind of go do this, but you're not necessarily losing ground. You come back again. It's, it's a little different, but it just is, an, is another way for people that are coming to the conclusion that they're not especially happy with what their current situation is and that there may be more satisfactions or experiences that they can get without putting themselves into debt or without uh, some of the other sacrifices that I think some people might assume come with a Peace Corps commitment. So what we need to do is take a farm to table podcast and join you at the table when you're trying to talk to some people that say, gee, I'm thinking about making the plunge. Uh, you're doing a good job of painting that picture right now, but I sure would like to view this sometime. Maybe maybe come back sometime or recruit someone online, although we're kind of doing it right now. Somebody's listening that's going to want to contact Beastcore, Corps, I think. Let's do an another um, uh, plug. I think for the for the website, Carrie.
2: Yeah, I would love to plug the two year program a little bit more. We have some wonderful positions that are on the website right now, and and the two year traditional program in the agriculture sector has uh, quite an interesting mix of available opportunities that are on the website right now. And and I will say that. Uh, We load new programs quarterly. We have quarterly deadlines throughout the year, so there's not one fixed application deadline. So if you look at the website right now, it's going to look a lot different in a couple months because new positions will be on the website. But um, we have a really interesting program right now uh, in Paraguay, uh, an agriculture sciences promoter that's on the website. And this position is mainly for uh, folks who are going to be working um building that pipeline of small producers in Paraguay, uh students co-facilitating classes in agricultural schools um, in topics such as gardens, field crops, soil recuperation, um, building extension skills with students outside of the school. So that's um a program in Paraguay. We also have an interesting program in Zambia, uh rural aquaculture promoter. Um, so, working with the Zambia Department of Fisheries to improve nutrition and rural livelihoods through fish farming. So, um, those are two interesting programs that are kind of out of the the regular uh, what we uh, think of as sustainable agriculture. But we have uh, great uh, programs: rural agricultural extension agent in Senegal, a sustainable agricultural facilitator in Jamaica. So. Um, lots of interesting positions, and they are all on the website, peacecoregovernor do Don't forget the S at the end of the core, people forget that. Um, and then you could check out volunteer openings under the traditional two year program or Peace Corps response.
1: To Rashad in the area that you've been paying attention to, uh could you give us an example of some of the positions that might be available for those that are looking for the the shorter term commitment
0: of course uh so with the shorter term commitment in a peace corps response uh, i'm looking we have currently 32 environmental positions online and five specific agricultural positions Uh, some of those tend to blend into one another Uh, so there are things as dual positions right like here we have a position for panama Uh, that's expecting to leave in June uh, of this year uh, called an aquaculture marketing and commercialization specialist. And so that's going to be a bit of agriculture. That's going to be a bit of uh, community economic development all mixed together. So you'll probably need to have some kind of marketing skills, some kind of farming or fish farming skills, right? Uh, Like the program Carrie mentioned in Zambia. Uh, and then you'll need a Spanish language requirement, right? So uh, certain countries, um, especially in like South America, uh, will have a Spanish language requirement. Some countries I know in Africa uh, for the two year program uh, will have a, a French language requirement. And so what we typically require is uh, at least in response. Uh, is going to be a little bit higher than it is for the two-year program because we expect you to kind of hit the ground running. Uh, but in response, you'll need uh, at least uh, an intermediate mid to advanced low level uh, of the language. Uh, you'll have to check each particular posting uh, to see what's necessary there. But like I mentioned earlier, uh, the aquaculture position in Panama, uh, agro business incubator coordinator uh, in Panama as well, Um, There's an agroforestry specialist in Peru, uh, which is where I served. Great, great country. Uh, Shameless plug right there. Uh, and then in the Philippines, we have two positions, uh, another agricultural specialist position uh, and an agro-ecotourism program development specialist. And so, the thing to note about the Philippines is those positions are uh, seven-month positions. So, one of them is ag- education and agriculture combined. Uh, and of course, the agro is agriculture and community economic development combined. So, really keeping a lookout for for those things uh, and just seeing what uh mix mixes they have uh in terms of duration, in terms of positions available, uh, as well as in terms of departure date. Uh for Peace Corps response, uh, our programs, much like the two-year program, uh, is located on a rolling basis. And so if you see a position that's scheduled to leave in August of this year or in June of this year, you know, uh don't fret. Don't think it's it's too late to apply. Um Those positions will roll around uh, at another interval, and so we just encourage you, encourage you, encourage you to keep checking back uh, on the website for new and exciting positions.
1: Boy, I tell you, it's very, very interesting. I have one other question. Some people are going to be wondering, is there any place you go that you can get by with English, or is, is, is language pretty much required everywhere?
0: Uh yeah so I'll I'll say uh a lot of countries especially in peace corps response uh there is no language requirement right uh a lot of the official business languages are going to be English uh in terms of peace corps response because you will be working at these high uh ngo or governmental levels uh typically the people there uh are expected to know English uh, and they work with you uh with English uh when you get to Latin America or South America, a lot of times there are language requirements because that is how uh, business is done in the country in their their native language.
1: Boy, I tell you, this this has been an interesting conversation. I have to add one more thing. I talked to a lot of people, and I've talked to many people over the years that had Peace Corps experience. I haven't talked to a single one that regretted it. On the other hand, I often run into people that say my job sucks. Uh, I'm on a dead end street. I got to I got to start over. I don't like what I'm doing and the, you know they see the grass is greener and and so you know I think some of those some of those people will say wait a minute. There's when have you run into somebody that said I wish I had not been in peace corps? I just don't think it happens. It must. There's probably some people that have some experiences that aren't great, but they haven't talked to me. What do you guys think about that?
0: Yeah, sure. So uh, as with anything, right, I'm sure there are people who love their job. There are people who hate their job or maybe greatly dislike it, um, if hate is too strong of a word. Uh, I think in Peace Corps or in Peace Corps in general, uh, there are volunteers who really meld with uh, their experience, who meld with the mission, uh, and ultimately a lot of those people are people who come back to the agency and, and want to better it in a way. Uh, they want to, like I mentioned earlier, be that change, uh, that they want to see in some capacity. Uh, if they had issue, uh, with the program or with their personal experience, then, you know, maybe working for the agency is a way to kind of work towards changing that experience for other people. Uh, I will say a majority of people do really greatly uh, enjoy their Peace Corps uh, experience. I know I personally loved mine, and uh, even the people in my cohort, in my group in Peru who had tough days, uh, overall, looking back at it, uh, really were grateful for the time and the experience that they had. Uh, I think the journey uh, is is one of the most important parts. Uh, There was, uh, there's an old, you know, marketing campaign, I think, uh, that people, Uh, still say quite a lot in Peace Corps uh, that it is the toughest job you'll ever love, right? And so there are days where Peace Corps is definitely going to test you, right? Just like there are days uh, in the US or wherever you may be, where you have a job that, you know, it's really, really grinding on your nerves. And you're really like, oh, man, I wish I could go and live on an island somewhere and just, you know, sip mojitos or or do whatever. Uh, But Peace Corps challenges you in such a way that I believe if you rise to that occasion, uh, you'll be greatly rewarded for it. Uh, and the work that you do with others, uh, will be greatly benefited from you, uh, rising past, uh, the, the limitations that you thought you had.
1: Well, we have just about covered everything, but I, I just thought of something else. I think you mentioned you often, they often find somebody they can, that you place them with, they live with. So are they, are they, um do they live in somebody's home do they where someone has a room in the home and if they do that are they preparing the meals that you that you consume so you're eating with a family and so forth because like i mentioned of the people that listen to farm to table talk some of their connections is that they just eat, that they care about food and they care about how food is produced and so forth. So even if they may not necessarily see themselves there, one of the high priorities would be, gee, where do you eat? Do you go to the the, the local restaurant or is a, is a family fixing a meal for you every day that you sit down with them? So how does this eating part go?
2: Yeah, that's a great question so so the traditional two-year program volunteers uh it it really depends on the country and each each peace corps country has uh kind of living requirements pretty much but um, by and large those first three months you do live with a family so you're sharing meals with that family every day Um, and you know two of those three goals right are those intercultural goals and so uh, it's great to share uh, your experience with food from the United States and sharing that, you know, maybe cooking for your family and, and sharing a new uh, new recipes with the family. Um, when you get sent to your site after two, the, for the two years, uh, living varies by country, as I said. So um, I lived alone. I lived in my own apartment for two years. So I made all of my own food. Um, uh, had lots of little restaurants that I would hang out at quite a bit, um, but some volunteers prefer to live with a family, and um, it really helps to integrate into the community more rapidly and um, and also sharing in, in your culture, sharing with that family. So there's um, different requirements. It depends on, uh, on the Peace Corps country, and a lot of that has to do with um, safety and security and also cultural integration.
0: Right, and I'll I'll chime in and say uh, with Peace Corps response, uh, it it varies from country to country. Right, uh, there are rules and and regulations that we have, like Carrie mentioned, for our safety and security team. Uh, in order to allow us to either live with a host family or to live on our own, you know, we must have a door, you know, that that has a lock, we must have windows. And if the windows are there, they must have locks on them. It must be a secure place to be. Uh, and so with Peace Corps Response, um, in general, you typically live on your own uh in an apartment style housing. Um so it it's much more like a hey I'm doing this job. I'm living on my own in this city or in this community. Uh, and I'm going to work on a daily basis. Right. Uh, and then I come home and I can choose to be a member of that community and be integrated and become a part of it. Uh, whereas in the two year program, uh, you know, in my personal experience, like in Peru, uh, there was a minimum requirement that you live with a host family for the first year uh, in other countries. I, I know like Paraguay, I think there was like a, a three month time frame that you had to live with a host family um, in order to kind of connect before you could really be in that country. Uh, and then in countries like Guatemala, uh, it's, it's required for the full length of service, right? That you live with a host family so that, um, you might be better taken care of and better integrate into the community. And like, Kerry mentioned earlier that that living uh, stipend that you receive uh, does cover the food. They do uh, provide food for you uh, at minimum three square meals a day. I think Uh, I can attest to every Peace Corps volunteer and say that we definitely ate way more than three square meals a day. Uh, If you lived with the host family, they will feed you uh, like you are their own child. And um, I I remember uh, being able to share just food with my host family that I really love from the States. And I uh, in Peru in particular, you know, uh, papas, right, or potatoes are uh, really important to a meal as well as rice. And so uh, I made a baked potato uh, for my family. I was like, let's let's use this oven. Let's let's light this thing up. And uh, ended up making a baked potato uh, for them. And I was like, yeah, try this. And they're like, well, we've never prepared it this way, you know, like for my host family and my small community. And so uh, it was really great watching them eat it. I was like, you can you can load it up. You can put all these different things on it. You know, it's a, it's it's however you want to make it. And uh and they really really enjoyed that experience. Um, less so with macaroni and cheese. You know, that was that was a me thing that I had to had to like <laughs> yeah. on my own. But um, but yeah, it, it was just so wonderful being able to share food uh, across the table and to to talk about the differences culturally and regionally uh in in different countries and in, in, in the U.S. in general.
2: Uh, i was gonna say don't forget
0: uh kui, guinea pig oh right? kui, yeah we and, uh, in ecuador th- and peru yeah definitely got to eat kui which is a a, a local like regional dish it's, uh, a little pricey so i definitely had to save up a, a couple months of that stipend in order to afford <laughs> one but uh it was it was roasted guinea pig and it was pretty pretty delicious quite honestly i got to try it uh, when I traveled, uh, up to Machu Picchu. And so that's another thing I'll say about service is that you really get to love and understand this country, uh, in a lot of different ways. And so I was able to, you know, best friend of mine came, uh, from the U.S., uh, best buddies from college. And we ended up hiking up Machu Picchu and, um, over like the course of three days. And, you know, we tried KUI and we tried all these like regional dishes, uh, that are, uh, more known to people in the, Uh, in the sierra in the in the mountains and so uh it was it was just a really wonderful experience and i and i really loved uh getting to connect with this with this country right mi querido peru
1: so you enjoy the food you enjoy the experience you're able to see the world and you're able to make a commitment that you you know that you feel good about and do you find that most people that go through this in addition to the families and the food and the communities how often are they saying there's this project or something that I helped them accomplish that uh, that feeling that if they had not been there, it wouldn't have gotten done. Do you do you hear
0: those stories? I think uh I think this comes back to humility, right? That we talked about. Uh typically when you speak with a volunteer, there's there's a lot less of a I did this, I did that, I did da da, and without me, it wouldn't have been XYZ. Uh, I think more so with with volunteers. You hear uh, I co facilitated or collaborated with host country partners uh, in this project or on this opportunity in order to uh, in order to uh, grow the sustainable like mindset and the the capabilities of of people in the community. Um, because typically, what we find is that community members have this desire, they have this interest, they have this want. Uh, to improve their circumstances or to uh, expand their horizons and, and capabilities, but they might not know exactly where to find those resources or how to put all of that together. And so uh, a lot of times a volunteer comes in and they are able to provide uh, what is missing. Uh, there's a there's a really great uh, saying, uh, and I think it, it should apply to a a lot more Peace Corps services if it doesn't already. And it's essentially that volunteers uh, plant seeds uh, of trees uh of which the shade we will not enjoy. Right. So um we we go in with this idea with this mindset that, hey, we're we're planting these seeds, uh, and we entrust the community to continue to water them, continue to grow them. And hopefully one day uh there's gonna be a, a, a strong tree with a with a good foundation uh that we worked in the community to provide and to help provide and you know they'll get to enjoy the fruits of that labor. Don't personally need to be there for it. Um but you know, I think it's just uh, so wonderful that uh, programs like that can can exist with sustainability in mind.
2: I love that, Carrie, What do you think of that? I was just going to say that was a, a a mic drop moment there, Rashad, that uh, metaphor of the tree, <laughs> Mike. Shade, mic like drop that. in,
1: indeed. In fact, I think <laughs> I'll probably put that as the very front piece to this this conversation, too. What a great conversation! I really admire what you've done. I think that many of my listeners will be envious. And before we wrap up, just one final thing. Is there anything in particular that we've left out, Carrie or Rashad, that you think we should be sure to share with folks?
0: Um, sure. Um, reaching out or going through the website to look at positions is great. Um, but if you would like to talk to myself or Carrie in general, I think reaching out to your local recruiter or your recruitment and placement specialist in Peace Corps response uh, is gonna be the best way to do so. We host events on our website all the time. Uh, www.peacecorps.gov slash events uh, is the best way to find them to stay up to date. Uh, We have in-person events uh, in your local area. There's a local recruiter for for just about everybody uh, as well as national virtual events uh, in the event that you can't make it out or you got to work or something like that. And if you can just plug us in much like you do with the podcast uh, and just listen to us for, you know, updates and for information about Peace Corps service, we're always willing willing to, to have that conversation, uh, and to just talk to you about our experiences. It's not whether or not you're going to sign up and apply to Peace Corps. It's it's really, do you feel this is the right move for you? And if so, then how do we get you to where you want to be?
1: And Carrie, we're in the same state. So um, keep me posted if there's something going on in Northern California. And in fact, if I can help you set something up in Sacramento sometime, we'd be, you'd be glad to.
2: That would be wonderful, Roger. Appreciate that. Yeah, there's there's a, a way to connect with your local recruiter on the website as well. Uh, go into Peace corps.gov, connect with a recruiter, and you just plug in your zip code, and a recruiter's name will pop up. So that's really a, a great way to start that journey of understanding about what Peace Corps is, is connecting with a recruiter. And we can sit down, talk for a half hour, talk about what your needs are, what you want to give to Peace Corps what you want to learn from Peace Corps, uh, look over the different programs and uh, really support the applicant through that that process to becoming a Peace Corps volunteer. So definitely um, utilize our services as recruiters. We're, we're happy to help.
1: Well, you've been helpful today and we've been talking to Rashad Thacker and Carrie Carmichael and you covered the bases here of how people could take At the beginning of their career at the end of their career at the middle of their career take a break and make a difference and make a contribution and again make a difference and uh i want to thank you for making a difference in our farm to table talk podcast it was happy to have you on today so best of luck it's uh, a wonderful thing you're doing
2: thank you roger appreciate the opportunity
0: thank you so much roger and i'll say uh end it with this Uh, Remember that anything done uh, for the community without the community is ultimately against the community. And that's something that all Peace Corps volunteers should really stand on.
1: Perfect. You've been listening to Farm to Table Talk with your host, Roger Wasson.